Thank you for listening to this Valley Creek Sermon Audio. Before we begin, a quick editor's note. Due to an error in our streaming process, a large portion of the audio in this worship service was not recorded, including the first five minutes or so of the sermon you are about to hear. However, we do believe that you'll be able to follow along fairly quickly. I love my brother. I am happy when good things happen in his life. I don't get angry or envious. I celebrate when good things happen in his life because that's what we do when we love someone. And I'm telling you that this morning because I've been on this earth long enough to know that that isn't always the case, that relationships with siblings can sometimes be fraught with conflict and rivalry with contempt instead of love. And some of you this morning could testify to that reality firsthand. You don't have to look very far in this life to see fighting, and we don't even have to look very long in the Bible to find that there is conflict. Genesis 4 actually tells the story of two brothers named Cain and Abel. Cain was the older and Abel the younger son of Adam and Eve. And Abel was a shepherd, Cain was a farmer. And the story goes that Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the produce that he had grown, which would seem to us to be a good thing. He brought an offering, at least. In fact, Abel also, though, brought an offering to the Lord from his flock. These two brothers would seem to have a lot in common, but the Lord reacts to their offerings very differently. The Lord has regard for Abel's offering, but not for Cain's, which infuriates Cain. His face falls, it says, but God says to him in that moment, why are you angry? If you do well, will you not be accepted? God warns Cain that sin is crouching at the door like a beast ready to pounce on its prey. So Cain, he says, must defeat it. So Cain, we're told, spoke to Abel, his brother. In that moment, as the readers of the story, if we had never read it before, we might be wondering what's going to happen next, right? What was Cain going to say to Abel, his brother? Will he come clean about his apparent sin? Will these brothers work things out? Well, we aren't left wondering very long. Verse 8 continues in Genesis 4, when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. From there, Cain would follow in the footsteps of his father, pretending to know nothing of what the Lord was talking about when God confronted him. It was a tale as old as time, and one John remembered well when he came to write 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. That's where we're going to focus in our attention for the next few minutes together this morning. And so if you've got your Bible, 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 18, it will also be on the screen for you to follow along there. It says this, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. John starts out here in verse 11 saying, this is the message you've heard from the beginning. This is what we've been talking about. This is what all of this is about. We should be people who love one another. And that is the sermon today in three words, love one another. Simple enough, isn't it? Right? It's pretty clear here in the text. We know what kind of love the Father has given to us. He calls us his children, and so we love one another like family, like brothers and sisters, love one another. 
But obviously John knew that there would be those who would twist even words that are as plain and clear in their meaning as those words, love one another. That's what this book is all about. You know what you heard, you know what you believed, and so he's calling us, don't walk away from Jesus. And since there are those who believe it's to their benefit to twist things that are central to the scriptures, like love, John offers us this case study and what it means to love one another. He shows us first what it doesn't mean, and then he shows us what it does mean. And so this morning, if we were to expand that three-word sermon into seven, it would be this, don't be like Cain, be like Jesus. That's what it looks like for us to love one another. Because we know what happened with Cain in Genesis 4. We know how the result of his sin was the death of his own brother and then the loss of a any place to belong. Ultimately, it was in the end him walking away from a relationship with the Lord. And so we don't want to be like Cain, John tells us, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. As we read that, we might ask, what does it mean to be of the evil one? Well, if we look at the section right above this one that we read, we see that in the contrast between what it means to be children of God and then what it means to be children of the devil. Love is what makes us children of God. And so then what is it that makes us children of the devil. Cain was of the evil one and murdered his brother, it says. But why, John asked this question, why did Cain murder his brother? The Genesis account doesn't explicitly answer that question, but John does here, and it's not a complicated answer. He says it's hatred. Cain murdered Abel because Cain's deeds were evil and Abel's were righteous. Cain was the embodiment of Proverbs 29.10, which says this, bloodthirsty men hate one who is blameless, and seek the life of the upright. We sometimes like to blame the victim or turn the aggressor in a situation into the victim, especially when the aggressor is us. We like to excuse and justify our actions, but John says it's really quite simple. Cain committed murder because his own deeds were evil, and that part makes enough sense to us. But John also goes on to say it was also because his brother's deeds were righteous, which maybe seems a little bit irrelevant, if not backwards to us until we read on to what John says next. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. This is one of those statements like so many in 1 John that echoes the words that Jesus had spoken earlier that are recorded in the Gospel of John. Jesus was speaking to his disciples about what it means to abide in him and what it means to love one another like he loves us. And then he says in John 15, John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, he says this, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Here's where it seems to me Jesus and John are pointing us, that those who are pursuing justice and walking in righteousness and living lives that are shaped by love in this world, they're saying will be hated by those whose deeds are evil. And that really makes sense when we stop to think about it, because Let's just imagine this morning, let's just say for the sake of argument that the United States of America isn't a perfect place, but that I, because of where I was born or the color of my skin, or maybe just my own hard work or some opportunities that were afforded to me or some mixture of all those things, say that I found myself in a position to benefit at the expense of others. And so I'm getting rich, but Jonas, maybe Jonas is working just as hard as I am. He's just as talented as I am. And somehow he's not getting ahead. He's not having the same success. He's not able to afford to feed his family or any of those things. But then, seeing the situation, Zach shows up and says, this doesn't seem right. What's going on here? Let's see if we can make this right. Let's see if we can make this more fair. 
What's going to happen when Zach shows up and says that? One, the unjust system that benefits me is now in jeopardy. Two, Zach's righteous deeds shine a light on the fact that I'm doing wrong or that I'm getting ahead at the expense of someone else, that I'm not living a life that is marked by love. When our deeds are evil, we prefer the darkness, Jesus told us. And so he says, don't be surprised that the world hates you, brothers and sisters, because it's how the world operates. If you're committed to righteousness, if you call sin, sin, if you look at what's wrong and call it wrong, you're going to meet opposition. For Abel, the opposition was his brother, Cain. And so church, don't be like Cain. Love one another. I think sometimes what we're tempted to do with this information, though, is to take it and go the wrong direction with it. We say we shouldn't be like Cain. We shouldn't be surprised that the world hates us. So the world is going to hate us, and so everybody hates us, and so then we're just looking for our next enemy. We're looking for our next fight. We actually go on the hunt for hate because if they hate me, then I must be doing something right, we reason. And so we can become obsessed with looking for ways to be offended. We can say, did you hear what this politician said or that musician said, or did you see what the, was on that commercial, can you believe it, right? We're looking for ways to be offended, for reasons to think that people hate us, but Jesus, because Jesus said people would hate us. We seem to have gotten the idea that they'll know we're Christians by who our enemies are. But that isn't what John says. John says in 1 John 3, 14, we know we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. The test isn't who hates you, the test is who do you love? It's what defines you and drives you. You're not defined by who others are, but by who you are in Christ. Are you driven by love for those around you? Or is it hatred for anyone that you view as a threat to your way of life that drives you? For Cain, it was hatred that drove him. It was what defined him and made him into a murderer. And John says, no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So don't be like Cain. This isn't John telling us to look down on Cain as if we're inherently better than him. This is John warning us that what happened to Cain can happen to any of us because Cain didn't set out to become a murderer. He was a farmer, not a crime boss or a serial killer, at least as far as we can tell. But hate is a disease that spreads quickly. It consumes us from the inside out. And so he says, don't be like Cain. Don't let anger turn to resentment and that turn to hatred for others that steals your joy and ruins your life and then theirs. Jesus also spoke of the link between our hearts and our actions in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 21 and 22. He said this, "'You have heard that it was said to those of old, "'You shall not murder,' And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Or as John says, no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so for us to love one another means first, don't be like Cain, but to be like Jesus. John doesn't say Jesus' name in these verses here, actually, but it's clear where he's pointing because that's how central the life of Jesus is to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Even when John doesn't say his name, he looms that largely over our lives. Love one another. Don't be like Cain. Here's how we know what love is, John says, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. It turns out First John does actually sound 
a lot like Philippians. Because for their difference in style, Paul and John have the same message. There's something they just can't stop talking about, and that is this love that would lay down his life for us. It's the way of Jesus, and that's the way we're called to walk. It's love that puts the needs of others before our own love that counts others as more significant than ourselves. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 12, and 13, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's what it means to be like Jesus. Maybe you hear that though, and look around at the needs and say, right, what can I really do? Right, can we save the world? Maybe not. But John would answer that question when we say, what can I really do? And say, just do what you can. Right? Verse 17, he says, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Right, okay, so maybe we don't have the financial resources of Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates, but that isn't the question before us. We're not responsible for what they do or what we would do if we had all those resources, we're called to steward what God has given us, what we do have, to give of what we do have in service of those around us, whether that's our money, our time, our talents. The question is, will we help our neighbor? Will we help our brother, our sister, or will we close our hearts and just go on with our lives when we see the needs around us? And so maybe as an example, you know someone who lost their job. You can't replace their salary, but you can maybe buy them a meal, invite them over for a meal. You could figure out a way to help them with a bill, or maybe you can say, I don't have extra money, but I have an extra room in my house. And so love starts by seeing the needs around us, actually listening to the needs around us. Too often we don't even do those things, but then love steps in and moves to try to meet the need, moves to help where we can. By this we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to do the same for one another. Loving like Jesus requires us giving up the illusion of theoretical love. Here's what I mean by that. I mean, it's easy to love someone in theory. The kind of love that's only in our minds, the kind of love we speak about but never follow through with. Theoretical love is easy. It's clean. It doesn't cost us anything because I can say in my mind that I love everybody. I can sit with my friends and family members and say, I love everybody. That's an easy thing to say. But what happens when I see someone in need? That's where I found, find out if I actually love. So what about the homeless in our community? What happens when I have an opportunity to tangibly serve and to help them, to serve with my time and my resources? What about those who live in a different neighborhood than me or look differently from me? Here's the difference in theoretical love and Jesus' love. Jesus' love is risky. It isn't safe. You might get let down. Loving like Jesus puts us close enough to other people that we might get hurt, maybe even crucified. But there's no other way to follow Jesus. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, John says, but in deed and in truth. This call is not just for us to talk about love. It's not enough for us to put it in our mission statement. Love, live, lead doesn't do anybody any good on the wall out front, including us, until we put it into action. The question is, what will we do when we see someone in need? Will we open our hands and our hearts or will we close our hearts? Love one another. Don't be like Cain. No murderer has eternal life in him or her. To be living a life that's fueled by resentment and anger and hatred and violence, that's to walk away from God and the eternal life that he offers us. Cain may well have been able to give us the right answers to the Bible trivia questions, 
Of course I love my brother, he might have said. After all, Cain did at least make the sacrifice. He at least had some desire to keep up appearances that he was doing the right things in the right way, but time revealed Cain to be a person whose heart wasn't driven by love, but by hate. So the question for us is, what drives our hearts? Genesis 4.8 is the moment where we find out who Cain was. It starts by saying Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and we don't know exactly what he said. Some manuscripts indicate it was an invitation just to go out into the field together, but whatever he said, this was the moment Cain's life changed forever and that Abel's life ended. And what John calls us to do in our lives is imagine a different ending to the story, for our stories. What might it have looked like for Cain, speaking to Abel, his brother, to be followed by love and life instead of hatred and murder. Jesus answers that question for us with his life. Loving one another means being like him who laid down his life for us. It is our opening our hearts to others. It's in that that we experience the life Jesus came to reveal to us. In fact, he told us as much in Luke chapter 10. There we find another story that calls us to consider what it means to inherit eternal life and to love in deed and in truth, not just in theory. You may be like me and have heard this story a hundred times, and when we've heard something that many times, you can tend not to hear it really at all anymore. In its familiarity, it can just become white noise that soothes us to sleep instead of waking us from our slumber. And so I want to read it from Eugene Peterson's The Message this morning with the prayer that we would hear this story with fresh ears and with open hearts, that it would stir our imaginations as we go out from this place today as we encounter this week men and women, brothers and sisters, neighbors who are in need. Will we be like Cain or will we be people who love like Jesus? Luke chapter 10, Jesus told this story. There was a religion scholar who stood up with a question to test him, asking, teacher, what do I need to get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? man said that you love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, Jesus said. Do that and you will live. Looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define neighbor? And Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho on the way. He was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. What do you think? Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religion scholar responded. Jesus said to him, go and do the same. 1 John 3.11 says this, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your love that you have shown to us so clearly in Jesus, God, that you would call us children of God. God, that is a 
hope and a joy with which we can come into this place this morning to sing your praises, God, and to sing of your goodness. God, that's a love that invites us into a relationship with you, God, a relationship that makes us your children and then makes us brothers and sisters to one another. And so, God, we pray that you would help us to see one another as you see us, as those who are dearly loved, God, those who are for whom we should lay down our lives to serve and to, to love. God, help us to, to stand in your love, to walk in your love. God, reveal to us this morning any um, sinful attitudes or God, inclinations in our hearts today that would, would prevent us from, from loving those around us, God. Anger or resentment, fear, whatever it might be, God. We pray that you would help us to lay those down, to leave those before you this morning, and that you would help us to to walk in the life that you've called us to, to live. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.